the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some really difficult news from around the world. We're going to try to process that. And then how our election deniers have become like the boy who cries wolf. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good. You're on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Aubrey, excuse me. There was snow on the ground today. There was snow on the ground this morning. And Brian... You'll be so happy to know. You will be so thrilled to know, actually, like beyond excited to know that we put our Christmas tree up. So I feel like the snow came right as like we put our tree up and the snow said, "Okay, we can come now. And it was so. So it's your fault. (laughs) It's my blessing to you. I thought the snow was beautiful this morning. I like this first snow. It's always lovely and fresh and clean and it, it just makes the morning so magical. After this, it gets terrible and gross and slushy. But right yes. now, I'm happy about it. I'll take so, it. So I usually like the first snow, to be honest with you. As you and I have talked about on the show, uh, we my son has moved into a, uh, a private school this year that is a little oh. bit more of a drive than our public right. school. Right. So when I saw the snow, I was like, no, it, it <laughs> added zero amount of time to it. And it, the roads were completely fine. But that was now my first thought when I saw snow. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, going to be bad if there are bad roads for you in the morning. That's true. That's it true. won't be bad. It will be bad for his attendance when I tell him, nope, <laughs> not going to school today. That's not <laughs> happening. So hopefully you enjoyed it out there. It, it was, it, I do have to admit that first view of snow is always pretty you're always like oh Oh, it's so pretty especially brian when you have christmas decorations in your house it's extra pretty let's remember this come february when we are bemoaning all of the gray frozen like (laughs) slushy snow yeah that's so true and we're doing we're doing a a tenth show in a row of why do we live here so true future us will definitely say that a lot why do we Let's, live here why do we live here <laughs> our producer uh laura she'll just then put in this soundbite where we go the snow is so pretty it's yeah, so magical us. she'll remind us what we said back in november when we were young and naive it is it's this time it's this time where we all look outside and we're just quoting scripture to ourselves. we're like oh this is such a picture of how our, our sins are made white as snow <laughs> And we're all praising Jesus when we look at the snow outside. And now come March or February, we're like, yeah. this I, This is the seventh layer of hell. This I hate hell. this. <laughs> when can I go to Disney World? <laughs> Brian, you are you are a prophet in this moment. This yes, is accurate, yes. So let us try. Yeah. Let us try to remember this. All right, Aubrey, I want to start in a in a difficult spot with two stories that that. Uh, one one national and one international. The first is this. You and I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, I want to put this under the heading. Both of these stories as come Lord Jesus. Like what mm. is going on in our world? Yeah. And the first yeah. you and I mentioned it yesterday because uh, it happened uh, a little bit before our show. Well, the news of it was coming out. That was that shooting in Virginia. But I've been oh, reading more terrible. and more about this. 
he was obviously targeted. Three right. University of Virginia football players were killed on a bus. Another one is in critical condition. And it was clear that this gunman targeted these football players. And I, you start to read things on Twitter and the, just the heartbreak of, of like other football players in the community. And you're like, the randomness of this is just is just startling and i get so sad i don't know why i end up getting drawn to reading stories about the people who've been killed and about mm, these things like learning about their lives and their families and that kind it's of thing just so absolutely heartbreaking yes, and not because they're football players but because of it now you're learning about these and you go god what is what is going mm. on in our in our nation with with these things we can never grow numb to these things I know. And I, it is like, I think reading the mamas, like they usually call yes. mamas, right. And the moms, there's one mom, um, level, uh, label. I don't know if it's level or label. I haven't watched the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Davis jr. His mom says, I lost my baby. This is my firstborn child. This is a son who could light up the room with a smile. And yeah. you know, you just, it, it, it r- reminds you like, I mean, we, we know that these are flesh and blood humans, but I think sometimes you read these stories on the news and you hear them again and you hear them again. And you're like, oh, another school shooting. That's sad. And sort of in our, in our, I guess, coping mechanisms, we just sort of move forward. But then when you remember, wait, there's a mom, there's a brother, there's a sister, there's a girlfriend, there's a, there's a niece and a nephew, like there's a whole community of people who are impacted by this loss and a life too short. You just kind of stop and go, oh, this is so so horrific, so devastating. And Brian, you know, you and I have, this is not the point of this conversation. And you and I both have said, we're not gun people. We don't know a lot. I did grow up in a hunting family, a gun family, but I I am not a gun person myself. The, it is so, and I'm not trying to blame guns. I'm not trying to make this political, but I do think it's like to get to the point where you want to go in and shoot people and kill them. And why that seems to be a more common instinct as time goes on is just disturbing and sad and we have to lament it and we have to be able to name it for what it is. I mean, this is just like evil, sad, violent, evil. So sorry that it's happened again. Yeah. And and then uh, I saw this story last night uh, about kind of moving away from America to the world. I don't know if you saw, Aubrey, what's going on in Iran. Uh, There have been lots of protests lately, especially Uh, women kind of pushing back Mm -hmm. against the regime in Iran. This is horrific. Yesterday, 227 members of the Iranian parliament, um, which out of 290, so 227 of the 290 have basically put forth a resolution to begin executing the 15,000 protesters that were arrested. These are peaceful protesters. Yeah. And they said they have to send the swiftest, uh, harshest message possible so that these protests stop. I and I read this. this. I read this and I was execution. like, yeah, go ahead. Brian. Yeah, I was like, this just can't be true. Like, there has to be right. something else to this story. I must right. be misreading these numbers. I must be misreading. No, this is exactly what it is. And the world community has to rise up and be like, this just absolutely yeah. can't happen. But Aubrey, it's another thing where I said, what a dark world that we live in. Mm. Where, and I know this is the other side of the world in a, in a harsh regime and all this, but to take it down to the numbers that the majority of their parliament has said we need to begin issuing death sentences 
upon the 15,000 protesters, many of them women, right, to make sure that we can keep our power and keep them where they belong, in our opinion. I read that, and it was one of those moments where you read something and it just takes your breath away. Yeah, I mean, it, the reality the reality of the, the reality of the vote is so shocking i think especially to the american mind like yes. it just doesn't it, you know it's like what in the world but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you come from a parliament voting for executing 15,000 peaceful protesters literally just wanting women to have freedom is is so evil and so wrong and i don't know i mean the question is are they going to actually do this and if so right. how like is it just a threat is it a power move which is not okay but at what point does it switch from here's the vote to now here's we're actually going to go out there and start shooting or i don't know what they're going to do but the the violence that that um you can imagine the violence will be horrific if that happens yeah so it, it's I mean, I don't mean to start in a dark spot, but there are times where we as Christians yeah. need to face what's going on in the world. Right. And, you know, yes, we talk about what can be done. What do we, All of these are important questions, but there is that biblical call to just say, come Lord Jesus, like yeah, usher right. in the day where this isn't the reality. We live, even though we can be insulated from it, there is real evil in this world. There is real darkness and brokenness. Yeah. And just seeing the, these two stories for me was like, oh my gosh, like this is just crazy. So be in prayer, people, and, and keep watching. And uh, again, come Lord Jesus. Well, coming up next, Aubrey, we are joined by actor Cameron Arnett. He is in a new movie or a, uh, a show called Saved by Grace. We're excited. Every time we get an actor on, it's always it's so fun. fun. It's I fun know. to talk about. They live about. in such a different world than we do. That's right. We're, the, the first two episodes uh, have recently dropped, and they're coming out every Sunday following. So we're excited to have this conversation with Cameron Arnett. Next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian From As pastors, Brian and I talk about this, that day-to-day interactions, whether or not we realize it, have major impact on our lives, our spiritual lives, our emotional lives, our physical lives, even if we don't realize it at the time. And there's a new show on PureFlex exploring this topic it's called saved by grace and we're joined by actor cameron arnett to talk about this new show and talk about this really cool theme cameron thanks so much for being here with us today oh thank you so much for having me appreciate it hey tell us a little bit about yourself um how you got into acting and then the show itself Wow. I, as far as acting is concerned man i got into this years and eons ago too much too too uh too far away to even talk about uh, the year and date. <laughs> we, we, we won't give that away. We won't, that. We won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I did this thing, you know, I was in Hollywood in, you know, in the secular years, you know, uh, Miami Vice and, and uh, Star Trek Next Generation, you know, those movie of the week, that kind of thing. And so that's how I got into it. And uh, at a certain point in time, of course, they wanted me to do the whole partial body movie, that kind of stuff. And, and so I left it behind and never thought I'd be doing it again. Went to um, full-time ministry, pastoring my wife and I for 18 years and that kind of thing. And then one day God brought us back on this side with the Christian filmmaking, Christian acting, and that kind of thing. And it's just been surreal, you know. Um, it has been a, a, a time of flowing with God in such a way as to go from project to project to project, uh, being able to do the things that uh, 
promote him, that, yeah. that uh, you know, exalt him, and, and, and it's a whole different life. Oh, that's a great that's awesome. word. Cameron, uh, the show is called Saved by Grace. Why don't you give us kind of a synopsis? Tell people what it's about, because obviously we would love for them to tune in and start to check it out. So tell us about Saved by Grace. Well, Saved by Grace, I think you, you kind of mentioned before, it, you know, it, it, it's God opening the uh, the view the, the viewing of being able to uh, for people to be able to see what it's like in a in a life you know uh, we we go about our lives not really realizing how much it's been orchestrated how many things that God has really instituted in order to help us and so the show is about uh, people realizing that angels all around supplied by God to bring them through, to walk them through, to be of service. Uh, they are ministering spirits to us. Mm-hmm. And as we begin to declare the word of God on our lives, they hearken unto the voice of the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so as we uh, get into alignment with God, they, they are even more readily available in following the path, the preordained path that God has uh, orchestrated for us to come to pass. They help us while we don't even know it. And so people will be able to see themselves in the project, see certain things, and even be able to recognize when they may have been around an angel and and what people did to them that they didn't even realize at the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool, Cameron. Can you tell us a little bit about your character? Well, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is, is, is a fun character to play. He's an angel, um, but he has certain uh, uh, quirks. Um, uh, he, he, he has the ability to, 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 to taste, so he loves to eat. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so it, 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 it's an opportunity to, to not only show the, the power, the, the, uh, the, the, the seriousness, of what's going on, but also the levity. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of laughing moments mm. within it because of the the, the, the the human aspects that God gives the angel, the human uh, issues that they go through, and how they uh, keep a, a positive perspective even in dire situations with people. And so Jeremiah is just, you know, uh, a guy that's been around for a long time, he has a uh, a partner, of course, played by Jennifer Taylor, Grace, and Grace is the one who sent, and and um, he's there to to, to be the, almost like the strong arm, if you would. Gotcha. To his work. Gotcha. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. So, Cameron, I'm wondering, what's it? I know as actors, you play all sorts of different roles, and this that. What's it like to play an angel? How do you get? How do you prepare yourself for that role? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. The the uh, a role that I actually got an opportunity to play Jesus yeah. in uh, in a play. Oh, and cool! And so um, the mindset is different. Is what has to change. Hmm. But it also shows you what our mindset because we we're, we're new creation in Christ, right? Yeah. All things have passed away, and so basically, there's a mindset that a Christian should have as a newness of life being. That's why we're we're given the the, the command to renew our minds. And so playing that angel, playing Jesus, it, you get to, to see what it's like to have that pure mind mm. uh, from heaven and not have another mind at all. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, and, and, and it's one of those things that allows you to keep those characteristics for yourself and not have to give them up. Not, not have to give them up. Love that. We're talking with actor Cameron Arnett, one of the stars of Saved by Grace. It's a new show on pureflix.com. The first couple episodes dropped on November 6th every Sunday. A new episode is released. 
Cameron, what's your hope for this show? Like, if you think about audiences that are watching, tuning in for the first time, some of them hurting, some of them looking for signs of God's providence in their own lives, what's your hope as they're watching the show? My hope is that, and what I love about, you know, Christian filmmaking is that you get an opportunity to see what life and how to live life and what's really going on in life. And so my hope is that, you know, people will look at this and realize what God has not only done in Christ, but what he, what kind of system that he, you know, uh, uh, instituted to be able to help them along the way. Angels are sent by God to help you through the process of life. And as you get involved with declaring the word of God, they hearken to his voice and they are there for your benefit. And people get an opportunity through this kind of, of, of venue of, of the series is to see them and how they work and to begin to expect that kind of help and to participate in, in, uh, in asking for receiving that help and realizing that um, God is not going to fail them when, 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 when they um, um, participate with the reality of what he's done. Mm, yeah, and Cameron, you've mentioned this phrase a couple times, uh, Christian filmmaking, Christian movies. Why do you think it's important for there to be uh, entertainment movies, TV shows, whatever else it might be that are explicitly Christian? Well, one uh, reason is that we have to keep the choir of the choir, meaning that once you're born again, you have need of things that are not going to take you away from God. Yeah. And we all have the, 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 the need to view. We, we have to, to my wife and I, we call it recreation instead of relaxation or, or instead of, 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 of vaca- vacation. Mm. And so when you get in front of a television, when you get on the radio, you need something that's going to keep you and that's going to encourage you and show you who you really are and how what life is really about. And as a secular person out there, you know, you, people are looking for hope. They, they, they're looking for something that's different. Yeah. And through Christian filmmaking, they get to see the love and the provision of God for their lives, that he's not only just about saving them and and taking them to heaven, but he's also about helping them through the process of life and getting them to have a a right life that he intended before the foundation of the world right here and right now, because he wants you to have days of heaven on the earth. That's right. He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and he wants to help you through your situation. And uh, these these films allow them to see it in action. Mm. Oh, it's so good, Cameron. So refreshing. Where can our listeners connect with you, and where can they find out more about the show? Well, they can, of course, go to CameronOnnet.com, and they'll find out find out uh, uh, all of what hap- is happening with me as an actor, as a person, as a ministry. And, of course, PureFlix.com will show not only uh, Saved by Grace, you know, uh, the other films that, uh, that I'm in, but it's going to also show a myriad of projects wow. that have been done. You know, uh, and, and, and things that can help them understand the relationship that they're supposed to have with God and the relationship that God wants to have with them. Um, that's what's great about Pure Flix. That's what's great about the streaming services that are about, you know, promoting the things of God this way and the filmmakers that, that have given their lives. And uh, to, to, to do this 
in the in the stead of making money first. Yeah, yeah. I, lo I love that. Again, you can go to pureflix.com, find out more about the series Saved birth, by Grace, find out the projects that Cameron Arnett kind of is working on. The show in particular stage, is about right? two heavenly angels kind of interceding on behalf of those uh, in need. One of the things so that always happens when you're in you youth group, out today. when you're young, Cameron, is thank you so much for your time. Uh, there's so that great debate about today. music. Right? Did you ever I go to a camp where you came home and you burned all your tapes or oh, you broke all your CDs absolutely. and then you immediately regretted it? Yes, I, Brian, I still regret it. Like, like decades later, I'm still mad because I, <laughs> I had, I know this is not the point of what we're going to talk about, but I just need to vent for a minute. I had like, I, I was a music collector even as a teenager and I had like bootlegged Beastie Boys albums when they were a different <laughs> they had a different name like their band was not the Beastie Boys there was a girl in the band and I burned them and I regret it to this day Yep. Anyway, you had the Beastie Boy. Okay, a Beastie Boys tape. But yeah, that was the thing, right? You came home and you got rid of yeah, all your secular thing. music. Uh, and thing. it was for most of it, it was very black and white, right? You kept your Newsboys album. You burned <laughs> your Guns N' Roses album, right? You yes. kept your Michael W. Smith uh, tape. You got rid of your Beastie Boys or your right. Metallica or right. whatever else it right. might be. Michael Jackson back in the day. Yeah. There were a couple gray areas. And the gray area band was U2. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Because Bono would talk about his faith. Bono would talk about his Christian, but he always said it in ways that made people uncomfortable. Like, is right. he a Christian? Right. Is he not? So at those big burning parties, you always felt like you could keep the copy of a One or Actung Baby or whatever oh, in your back one. pocket right. and be like, I could keep my YouTube. Am, right, am I right about? Am I right about YouTube to the Christian teenager? Oh yes, I I would say absolutely because YouTube had like subtle. You sort of subtly knew they were at least people of faith. They didn't have bad words in their songs, so I think that yep. made it okay. And and your parents kind of liked you too, also, so that was okay. So yes, you could. I feel like you could keep the. The Joshua Tree, the one album yes. hidden in your room, and then like it, it, you were still safe. God was not going to be mad at you for that. That's right. That's right. So Bono, <laughs> obviously the lead singer of U2, is doing a lot of interviews right now because they've got uh, some new stuff coming out. I don't. I think it's book. like a documentary. A book. No, a no, book. No, a new okay. Book coming out. Yeah. Yeah. There you like go. A memoir coming out. And so Mike Cosper sat down with Bono for Christianity Today to have this conversation with him, kind of look back over his career. And Bono tells the most fascinating story of being invited out uh, to Billy Graham's place, right? For Billy yes. Graham uh, would like to meet uh, the band and offer a blessing. How yes. cool would that have been? Billy so Graham cool. would like you to come to him so he could bless you. And so, so cool. He tells the story of getting picked up at the airport by Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham. And Franklin Graham goes all in on this conversation, asks him, you really love the Lord? And Bono says, yup. Okay, you do. Are you saved? Yup. And saving. But Franklin Graham doesn't <laughs> laugh. And Franklin Graham asks him, have you given your life to Jesus? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? He says, oh, I know Jesus Christ. And I try not to use him just as my personal savior, <laughs> but you know, yeah. so you can see why people are confused by yeah. Bono. 
Franklin Graham then goes in and says, why aren't your songs Christian songs? And Bono says, they are. And Franklin (laughs) Graham says, well, some of them are. And he says, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, why don't they, why don't we know they're Christian songs? And listen to what Bono said to Franklin Graham. He says, they're all coming from a place, Franklin. Look around you. Look at the creation. Look at the trees. Look at the sky. Look at these kinds of verdant hills. They don't have a sign up that says, praise the Lord, or I belong to Jesus. They just give glory to to Jesus. And Cosper says for four decades, Bono has found himself in conversations like this one, responding to Christians who aren't quite sure what to make of him or you too. That's it right there, right? That's exactly what we were just talking about. This is what I actually have always loved about you two. I mean, one, I think we need to remember that they are situated from Ireland, right? So there's a lot of Catholic Protestant major warfare going on, even in their faith background, a lot of pain and devastation. And so they are not coming from American evangelicalism. So terms like, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? I'm sure Bono would be like, yeah, but like, that's not how we talk about it in our background in Ireland. But that was the only sort of box American evangelicals knew. And if you didn't say that, then you weren't a Christian and people were freaking out about it. But I appreciate, always appreciate it. And I mean, I think this is what's, this is sometimes really special. I think about artists who have faith is they can bring a, still a very sincere faith, but with a different thoughtfulness to the table. Like they don't need to use the quote unquote, same words, some other subtext or some subgroup of Christianity is using. They're going to express their faith in their own way, but it's still a, it's still a uh, authentic faith in Jesus. I mean, we see like, of course, Bono later on in his life became one of the, the leaders of what working with world vision and fighting against AIDS in Africa, like always being really um, putting feet to their faith as a band. And yeah. so I, it, I mean, this is funny to me that it seems like most of U2's career was Christians trying to get them to be a CCM band. And <laughs> yes. Saying, no, that's not who we are. We want to make really great music. Yeah. And so a lot of his story, I didn't know this has to do with his mom uh, collapsing and dying when Bono was 14. Aubrey, mm. she collapsed at her dad's funeral. And, oh, uh, wow. and he, Bono says this, the wounds that loss opened up in my life became this kind of void that I filled with music and friendship and really an ever increasing faith. He adds with a big grin as the Welsh evangelist Smith Wigglesworth would tell you an ever increasing faith. And he goes on to talk about, uh, all the the importance of prayer and church. He says, the Bible held me, uh, the word stepped off the page, he talks about the importance of the Bible and the importance of Jesus. I think what I take away from this interview, and I think the, the I would encourage people to go read it. It's really long over at Christianity Today. But I think one of the takeaways from this, Aubrey, is Uh, faith isn't formulaic Mm. and not everybody, everybody's on a journey. Like it's not like this, frankly, Graham thing where like, did you pray the prayer? Did you do this? And Bono really challenges them with about that. I think that's helpful where we can go Mm -hmm. just because people's quote unquote journey might look different than mine. Doesn't mean they're 
they've denied the faith doesn't mean they're not a Christian. And I think we like to box things up, whether it be songs or whether it be just Christianity as a whole, that I think this story helps us kind of break free from. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I that's I think that's what I again, why I've been a fan of you two and other artists like them and just other thinkers like them is it's you're just not parroting some of the like Christian subculture phrases you've heard people say. It's it's like um I mean, I think for for Bono, not that I know Bono, but there was an intentional deviation and pushback against some of that like a kind of cliche language around the faith instead he was going to do something else. And I think what's helpful for those of us who are in that, in those subcultures or uh, can rely on that language sometimes in a way that can be authentic. It's helpful to go, is there, am I just saying these things because I'm parroting what I know is the right thing to say, or is this actually part of my, part of my faith? And so I think, People like Bono or bands like you to kind of help us think a little bit deeper about our faith. Yeah. And he ends this way. The article ends this way. Again, I'd encourage you to go to Christianity today and pick it up. Uh, It says Bono takes a slow breath. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. And that rock is Jesus. Mm. It's like, oh, you go by. I don't need to burn his tapes. I don't need to burn (laughs) his his CDs. I'm screaming back to junior high, Brian, keep it. Don't burn it. (laughs) Uh, Again, pick that up over at Christianity today. All right, Brian, I think you'll be surprised by the author I'm about to mention. I've been reading her new book. It is so, so good. But there's I'm going to say her name and there's a lot that goes with it. It's uh, Shauna Nyquist. Oh, interesting. Okay. So why would I be surprised? Help people understand why that would be a surprise. Surprise might not be the right word, but like you might go, oh, because she's uh, known for being the daughter of Bill Hybels, who if you Mm -hmm. live in the Chicagoland area, you know that there's quite a bit of controversy with him as the leader of Willow Creek Church and uh, I'll just stop and there. All that and all and that. All <laughs> that. Well, Shauna came out with a new book called "I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet." It is beautifully written, and of course, she does, she does dive into pain, but she doesn't give away anything she shouldn't. I mean, she's very good at it's like private. Yeah. yeah, it's private, but she dives into some of the heartache. And it, anyway, it's I would highly recommend the book. But there's a um. There's a section I wanted to share with you where she is writing about social media. And what she talks about is because she is who she is and because her dad is who her dad is, um, there was a season in life when she was getting all kinds of – I mean, you can imagine – the social media comments she was getting, (laughs) right? Uh, Yes. And I think even before there was controversy with her father, just simply as a public figure and author, she was getting all kinds of comments and feedback that she didn't ask for. And so she talks about social media in her new book. And I think it's so, so fascinating. One, she says that um, the hardest part for her was not the temptation to keep track of the amounts of likes and comments. It's about how quickly a stranger can show up in my life. And more than that, why I keep letting them. Hmm. If strangers kept coming to my door, I'm reading directly from the book now. If strangers kept coming to my door, asking to be led into my actual house to tell me everything they ever thought about me and my life and my family, 
I would move. Why have I allowed strangers into my mental living room and my mind and my heart? And then she goes on to talk about how she began putting more and more boundaries on her social media. She checks in on it only a few days, like a few days a week, not every Mm. day. But she says this, she says, little by little, I began to believe the voices of strangers and I stopped believing it was okay for me to draw boundaries to protect myself. I took it and I took it and I took it. I had been fed a steady diet of shame and cruelty without protection, without safety, without the ability to say, you can't speak to me like this. You're breaking me. She says, for years, I didn't delete, block, mute, report nearly soon enough. I didn't reach out soon enough. And eventually mm. she learned to, to create a better system. She One of the things she talks about in this book is how one of the boundaries she puts in her place is she was like, I don't go on social media when I'm in my pajamas. I like it is when I'm in my pajamas, that is my safe place at home. And if I start scrolling through social media, I'm going to get inundated by these opinions of people. So I started going only on social media when like I had on my professional work clothes for the day and I was sitting at my desk and I was showing up to social media like a professional. So there was some boundary in it, even emotionally, but okay. The regular person, you and I, Brian, are not inundated by like thousands and thousands of people commenting on our lives. I still think there's some things to learn about boundaries when it comes to social media and boundaries when it comes to how we allow people to speak into our lives or not speak into our lives. And it seems like one of those basic, basic things. Look, if you're a stranger and we don't know each other, if you're not invested in me and I'm not invested in you... Right. We don't really have the right to speak into each other's lives. It's a I never thought of that imagery. Like Isn't that interesting? Just think how annoying it is when somebody comes to your door. Like yeah. I've told you stories about how we'll hide. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is my favorite. That's my favorite version of Carrie Fromm. Hiding from the person who's knocking at the door, ducking on the ground as quick as she can. <laughs> teaching our kids to do the yeah, same. Yeah. So this idea that social media is at its worst is allowing people into our personal lives. It's allowing people to comment on our personal lives. It's allowing people to not even on personal things, but make comments that would bother us about other things, all these things. It's silly that we haven't gotten to the spot. Many of us going, I need to protect myself from the bad parts of social media. The um, some of it's just obsessive addictive, but also just the, um, the ways that it can be a bad like – we need to look back and go, how does Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and yeah. whatever else negatively impact me and then actually take the steps to go, I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to control right. my social media as opposed to social right. media controlling me. That's it. And I, I it's, again, it seems so simple, but the way this system has like – slowly become the thing that controls a lot of our lives. I think we don't even realize like the slow Mm -hmm. drip of it. We don't even realize, oh, wait, this thing is controlling me. Oh, wait, people's opinions, people's expectations are controlling me. And then I think the reverse is true, Brian. When we comment on other people, when we opinion on other people's lives, let's remember like they are strange. You're not going to ideally go up to your neighbor that you've never met before and be like, let me tell you, I don't approve of the way you hang your curtains in your living room. You know, like we're we're going to be smart in real life to have relational intelligence. Let's do that on social media. And maybe this is a maybe this is an obvious thing to say, but I just think it bears repeating in election season, in church mm-hmm. uh, drama season, 
in take control. I like it. Yeah. Holiday season. Yeah. Take control. Who gets in your house metaphorically? Who doesn't? And who are you um, speaking about or not speaking about? Let's let's uh, let's kind of take the power back of social media mm. and begin to mm-hmm, use it mm-hmm. in a way that's honoring of people and not hurting people. And I mean, I feel like it's that old. I mean, it's the old like. Uh, my grandma used to say this. I think this is from the movie Bambi. If you don't have anything <laughs> nice to say, don't say anything at all. You yeah, know, I don't, and I don't think it's just social media because some people could yeah. be listening, going, "I'm not on social media." We allow other people's opinions of us, and other people's opinions on life, and other people's thoughts so often dictate how we feel about ourselves, how we yeah. feel about the church, how we feel about um, our kid, whatever else it might be, and we've. This idea of taking back control, I think, is really important. So social media is an easy kind of pinata for that. But, you know, as a pastor, Aubrey, somebody says something bad about me. Somebody says something bad about the church. That wrecks me. And, Absolutely. And we have to get to the spot where we can have some greater control over, okay, this is how I view myself. This is how God sees me. This is how I view and instead of just riding that roller coaster. So social media is easy because it's comment driven. It's like driven. But I think we do this in many other ways. Like, I guess I would put it this way. You're not off the hook if you're off social media. Where is Where do you find your identity? Where do you find your uh, – and what control have you taken over the messaging that you're listening to? Um, mm. I think that's a really hard question. Like, do I allow other people to form what I think about myself? Mm. Or, or or am I more secure than that? How do I get to that mm. spot? I, I think these are – Pretty foundational questions, even if you're off of social media. Yeah, that's true, Brian. I'm so glad you brought that up because I know not all of our listeners are on social media. But where, yes, where in your life are you allowing other people to speak into it? To, to, and where are you believing their opinions when actually they're not people you who are investing in you? I think these are really important ways for us to think about the way we allow people to engage with us, but also the way we lovingly engage with other people. That's well. right. In the real world, on social media, etc. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.